A young man named John received a parrot one day as a gift. The parrot had a bad attitude and even a worse vocabulary. And every word out of this bird's mouth, I'm not, I can't repeat anything, but it was rude and it was obnoxious and it was laced with profanity. So John tried to change the bird's attitude by consistently saying and teaching it polite words, playing soft music and anything else he could think of to clean up the bird's vocabulary. But finally, John, like all of us, got fed up. The parrot, John yelled at the parrot, and the parrot yelled back. John shook the parrot, and the parrot got angrier and even more rude. And so in desperation, John threw up his hand and he grabbed the bird around the neck and he put the bird in the freezer. For a few minutes, the parrot squawked and kicked and screamed and cursed John and said bad things about his mother and everything else. <laughs> but then suddenly, there was total quiet. Not a peep was heard for over a minute. And fearing that he had possibly hurt the parrot, John quickly opened the door to the freezer. The parrot calmly stepped out into John's outstretched arms. <laughs> he said, I believe I may have offended you, sir, <laughs> with my rude language and my actions. I'm sincerely remorseful for any inappropriate transgressions, and I fully intend to do everything I can to correct my rude and unforgivable behavior. John, like you, was stunned <laughs> about the change in the bird's attitude. And he was asked, he, he was about to ask the parrot what had made such this, you know, this dramatic change. And the bird spoke up very softly and said, may I ask you what the turkey did? <laughs> it's terrible, it's terrible, it's terrible. Terrible. <laughs> so here we go. Acceptance. First of all, let me say that um, we are talking about uh, acceptance with an A, not uh, acceptance. Acceptance is when you exclude something or, or when you exclude someone. Uh, that you don't want or something you don't want to face up to. Acceptance is when you receive something or, or you may come to grips with something. Acceptance in this context can lead to freedom, and I want to stress that it is crucial that, you know, and whatever, you know, speakers come up here, whatever I'm telling you, I need to learn myself. But it is crucial that in our life journey that we progress from tolerance to acceptance. It's vital for our own spiritual growth and maturity. Many people feel that when they are asked to accept something, that this means that they must somehow acquiesce to a situation. I have a, a, my congregation, there are many, many, many people, many activists, and they want to change the world. And sometimes they think in this binary, well, either if I accept, that means I'm not supposed to fight or, or push back, but I'm not talking about that. This is not necessarily true. But it must be remembered 
that before you can change something, you must be able to see it for what it is. James Baldwin tells us you cannot fix what you cannot face. Ernest Hemingway is quoted as saying that he was always suspicious of people who wanted to change the world without first taking the time to figure out what the world was about in the first place. To accept something or someone or a situation is to see it for what it really is at the moment. And you've heard this old adage that we don't, we don't see things as, uh, as, it, as, the, as, as it is. We see things the way we are. In therapeutic terms, they call it projection. The challenge is to see ourselves for what we really are before we try to change or accept someone else. The Reverend Michael Beckwith says that in the context of something not being able or willing to accept or someone not being able to accept life as it is, it takes more energy, he says, to stay in your past than it does to move forward, for you are working against the flow of life, which is futile. No doubt, this is the human challenge. Being able to accept that life is not always fair, being able to accept that people are not always loving and loyal all of the time, being able to accept that everything changes and ends, being able to accept that things do not always go according to plan, these facts will come to visit us many times over during during our lifetime. And this is part of what it means to be accepting. It's, 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 it's a way of letting go. Uh, uh, in, in more uh, traditional language, people say, let go or let God, and let God. Uh, there's a Zen saying, let go or be dragged. You see, in Eastern thought, one is taught to go with the flow of life and not to try to control it. It's counterintuitive to us in the West. One bends and flows with the energy. In the West, we are taught that we are in control of life and the people in it. (laughs) Reinhold Niebuhr, an American Protestant theologian, composed a prayer that some of you may know um, that has become the cornerstone of the recovery movement. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. But there's a variation on that. God grant me the serenity to accept the people I cannot change, the courage to change the one I can, and the wisdom to know it's me. Simple and profound wisdom here. This is the core challenge of life. And yet, consciously or unconsciously, we think that these things somehow don't apply to us. Yet when we resist this wisdom, we resist the reality of life. And then our life becomes full of frustrations and and sorrows and, and annoyances and disappointments. Some things are simply built into being a human being on this planet. There's just no escape. It's not personal. It's just no escaping. The spiritual genius that manifested as the energy of the Buddha, for instance, knew this. 
the teacher Yeshua. Jesus says that the poor you will have with you always. Always. He didn't say you shouldn't try to feed them. Buddha said that the cure for suffering was non-attachment. He did not say that we should res not res assist or care for those in need. See, it's di that dialect, that polarity. It's either this or that. He simply said, Buddha, that becoming attached to our actions and the results of those actions were the cause of suffering. You hear people say, I remember when I was coming up, people would, uh, you give money to the homeless. Well, I'm not going to give any money to the homeless because he may go get a drink or she may get drunk. Well, that's, then don't give. But those are strings attached. Once you give, it's up to them what they will do with it. Well, I'm going to give you the money, then I'm going to tell you what you should do with it. That's the height of control. So, Non-attachment is not that you should not own or feel anything, but that nothing should own you. Philosopher Alan Watts said there will always be suffering, but what we must not suffer because of the suffering. There are times that you will have to accept the apology that you never got. And yet there are also delightful givens in life. We experience joy. Our hopes are sometimes exceeded. We discover inner gifts that we didn't know we have. Things have a way of working out. Luck comes our way. Call it what you will. Miracles of healing can and do happen. But you see, the ego is afraid when it cannot be in control. The ego insists on complete control of everything. Of everything. Yet life happens to us in a way no matter how much we protest or seek to evade it, no one is exempt. And we can learn to look life in the eye and accept life on its own terms. You don't have to shake your fist at the sky and, 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 and get a hemorrhoid. <laughs> we can create a sane and authentic life. By how? By saying yes to life. By saying yes. The, Indian, uh, 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 the East Indian philosopher Krishnamurti, and we're all, you know, he was a very evolved soul. I'm not saying we could all do that, but he did say, you know, people were saying, how can you be so calm and serene? He says, because I don't mind what happens. I don't mind, because I know it's all part of life. The story of the Buddha is a wonderful illustration. I'm not trying to force Buddhism on you. But his father was a king. He tried to keep him from seeing the nitty-gritty of life. But one day, Buddha, Siddhartha goes outside of the walls, and he sees sickness and old age and death, uh, people not being treated fairly. Right? It takes courage to love, for instance, because if you're in a, a long-term relationship, one of y'all is going to die first. But you say, I love you, and I'm going to walk this trail anyway. That's courage. But the other part is part of life. Somebody's got to go. These sights moved the Buddha deeply and contributed much to his insights. Well, he wasn't the Buddha then. But he walked his trail, and ultimately he became uh, enlightened. I, I, again, I'm not trying to promote Buddhism here, but the tradition emphasizes 
the importance of seeing through our own illusions and facing up to one's life so we can be fully who we were meant and are meant to be. The question is that when we land with a thud after life has knocked us down, when we ask, we can ask, what, what, what's the lesson I'm learning from this? What is life, what is this situation trying to teach me instead of being a, a victim or not embrace? Why this? Why that? Why did that happen? Why, why, why? I mean, it, it's, it's a waste of life. Perhaps I'm not as accepting of difference as I think I am or need to be. And this way, we check the ego with its constant neuroses of fear and judgment and control and complaint and, and unrealistic expectations. When we say yes to life, ladies and gentlemen, we say yes to all of it. We begin to get it that anything can happen to anyone at any time. Anything. We begin to get it that we must accept others and their personalities and habits. We don't have to like them, but we don't have to make exceptions. Besides, the poet Rumi reminds us, he says, that if you are irritated by every rub, how can you be polished? <laughs> this is the sentiment behind James Baldwin's statement that nothing human is foreign to me. He is not shocked or thrown off course by human behavior because he is human himself and he knows what we can do with one another. He knows the great heights of altruism we can reach and he knows the inhumanity that we can release on each other. Or as Shakespeare puts it in King Lear, a most poor man may tame to fortune's blows who by the art of knowing and feeling sorrows and pregnant to good pity. In other words, the blows of life equip King Lear to have compassion towards others. The inner life needs to stretch. If not, it will stifle, it will wither up and die. What kind of world would it be if there was no change? If life did not include some pain and everyone loved equally and loyally, this is not the world. This is, un this is a young person's naivete. Eight billion people say, why can't we have peace on earth? Because eight, nine billion people are not on the same spiritual path at the same time. That's why. That's, that's unrealistic. And so we set ourselves up for, for false uh, uh, expectations for unrealistic. Western thought teaches us um, to think in dualistic ways. This is good. This is bad. But we can learn to say yes to the paradoxes of life. We make commitments and the plans fall through. I thought I had Richard's, uh, Richard Gilbert's uh, meditation. It's still at the door. I'll read it to some other church some other time. <laughs> we can maintain our compassion in an unjust world. We can be loving towards others no matter how cruelly they act towards us. We can recognize and acknowledge the shadow side that Carl Jung talks about. Nobody can make you stop loving them unless you choose to. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. That's on you. But I'm just saying, nobody makes us do anything. Here are some examples of what I mean. Although everything changes and ends, things renew themselves and move through cycles. 
that further our evolution. Although things do not always go according to plan, sometimes there's a larger plan at work. Sometimes this multiverse has us, we, we think it's coming in a blue box, and it's over here in a pink box, but we're so busy looking over here, we miss it. So we have to be open to synchronicities, to coincidences, if you like the word. Although life is not always fair, something inside us remains committed to fairness and refuses to be unjust or to retaliate. Although suffering is part of life, we have ways of dealing with it, and thereby we expand the powers to handle future pain and to help other people handle theirs. It's like yin-yang. Although people are not loving and loyal all the time, nothing has to get in the way of our acting loving towards them. So you see, each so-called negative has a positive side. It's, it's all interpretation. It's like the yin-yang symbol. There's dark and the light and light and the dark. When we accept the so-called good with the bad, the easy with the, the difficult, we get gratitude. Christians call it grace. Call it what you will. Just call on it. It means changing our why to acceptance, which is yes. The opposite of yes in this context is not no. The opposite of yes is control. Behind that control is fear. The fear that we will experience something painful. Yes is acceptance. No is refusal. Control is stressful. We do not let go of control. We let go of the belief that we are in control. Worry is directly related to control, right? The Dalai Lama says, if you can change the situation, why worry? And if you can't change the situation, why worry? <laughs> why worry? We worry about our future, our finances, our relationships, our jobs, unpredictable things. We worry because we do not trust ourselves to handle what will happen to us. I was, I was anxious this morning. I was telling, and she's very gracious. Linda, I said, Linda, you know, I really miss my flight. I'm worried. I got to get back. You know, I got to go to church Monday, and it's a lot of stuff going on. And she said, Michael, uh, we'll, we'll get it done. Uh, I left my, car, uh, my clothes in her car. Michael, guess what? I can go out there and get it and bring it back. What a concept. But I was anxious. <laughs> I have, to, I have to be in control, you see. I've got to get to the airport. I can't miss it. I just, I'll get there or I won't. But I have to, I, you, know, you need friends to remind you of these things. It's important to remember that we worry because we've not learned to accept. It's important to remember that when we learn to accept life, not as we want it to be, but rather as it is, we do not push this acceptance on others. You got to let people walk their trail. We don't want to be members of the CIA, right? Critic, interpreter, and advisor. <laughs> we can begin the practice because it takes practice, but we don't have to take other people's inventory, judging and criticizing their behavior and interpreting what should be what they should be doing with their life. This is unrealistic and it's immature. Joseph Campbell once was once quoted as saying, "Hell is being stuck in the eagle." Stuck in trying to control things so that they stay the same. Control is the opponent to the acceptance of life. Here are just some examples before we close. When we want others to be different, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. When we want someone to call back or visit, the house is not as clean or neat as we want it to be. 
We don't like tests or waiting for results. We obsessed about what happened or what might not happen. I may miss my flight. Our parents, children's par- children, partners, or friends do not act the way that we think they should act. We must anticipate all possibilities. It's not comprehensive, but you get my drift. We can do better. We mirror each other because the basic thing is that we're supposed to be here to learn to love when it's all said and done. Whether you have Magna hats, whether you like Warren, whether you like Chitlins, or whether you like health food, those are the challenges to get past the personality to who and what that person really is. And no one said it was it's easy, but who says life is supposed to be easy? When we learn to accept life in the world as it is, then we can make changes. Listen to these words from George Bernard Shaw. This is the true joy of life, that being used for a purpose recognized by yourself as a mighty one, being a force of nature instead of a feverish, selfish little clod of ailments and grievances complaining that the world will not devote itself to making you happy. I am of the opinion that my life belongs to the whole community, and as long as I live, it is a privilege to do it for who and whatever I can. I want to be thoroughly used up when I die, for the harder I work, the more I live. I rejoice in life for its own sake. There is no brief candle for me, he says. It is a sort of splendid torch which I've got to hold on for the moment and I want to make it burn as brightly as I can and as brightly as will be possible for future generations. And then there's this. And we go home. We go eat. Go placidly amid the noise and haste and remember what peace there may be in silence. As far as possible, without surrender, be on good terms with all persons. Speak your truth quietly and clearly, and listen to others, even the dull and the ignorant, for they too have their story. Avoid loud and aggressive persons. They are vexations to the spirit. And if you compare yourself with others, you may become vain and bitter, for always there will be greater and lesser persons than yourself. Enjoy your achievements as well as your plans. Keep interested in your own career, however humble, for it is a real possession in the changing fortunes of time. Exercise caution in your business affairs, for the world is full of trickery. But let this not blind you to what virtue there is. Many persons strive for high ideas, and everywhere life is full, full of heroism. Be yourself. Especially do not feign affection. Neither be cynical about love, for in the face of aridity and disenchantment, disenchantment is perennial as the grass. Take kindly the counsel of the years. Gracefully, gracefully surrendering the things of youth. Nurture strength of spirit to shield you in sudden misfortune, but do not distress yourself 
with imaginings. Many fears are born of loneliness and fatigue. Beyond wholesome discipline, be gentle with yourself. You are a child of the universe, no less than the trees and the stars. And whether or not it's clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. Therefore, be at peace with God, whatever you conceive that to be, and whatever your labors and aspirations and the noisy confusion of life, keep peace with your soul with all of its sham and drudgery and broken dreams, it is still a beautiful world. Be careful. Strive to be happy. Desiderata. You recognize it. So, in the words of Wendell Berry, be joyful, even after you considered all the facts.